All right. How's it going? Welcome back to the big run. How are those long runs going? Anyone doing marathon training at the moment? I'm doing marathon training and the long runs on Sunday are becoming increasingly difficult. So it's always welcome when you've got a good friend accompanying you on those long winter miles. Today's guest has been joining me on a few of them and as well as being a very talented runner, it also emerged that she's a phenomenally talented writer as well. So I had to get her on the show. Her most recent play, Fair Play, has just opened at the Bush Theatre and it tackles the underside of women's athletics. She joined me one cold morning in Hackney Wick, the day after her press night, so double legend for joining me first thing in the morning after a late night the night before, to talk all about her play and her journey into running and her love of the sport. Her first play premiered at the Hampstead Theatre back in 2018 and then transferred up into the main house in spring 2019 and that play was nominated for an Olivier Award. She's just written on the English remake of Call My Agent and has a film and many other projects in development as well. She's a very exciting talent and a lovely human being. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome Ella Road. Oh yeah, just so we're aware, this was recorded in Hackney Wick and we were walking along, so there's traffic, there's noise, there's motorbikes, there's people, there's all the flora and fauna of a wintry morning in Hackney Wick in the background. But I've left most of it in because I think it's quite nice. Just a little warning, it's not the same kind of sound that you're used to. All right, over to Danny, uh, about 10.30 in the morning, uh, just outside Victoria Park. Enjoy. So... Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. The morning after press night of your play. Uh, how how was it? Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it was fun. I um, Yeah, it was fun. It's pretty nerve-wracking as a writer because you're like, complete, it's completely out of your control. Mm. So like, I turned up and I sat down and I, you don't get that like adrenaline rush mm. before or after. It's more just like waiting to see what happens. What's um, it like being on that other side? Because you've obviously you're an actor as well. Like, yeah. is is it is it quite a different experience being on the other side? Um, yeah, it's so different. Like, yeah, it's so so different. It's just um, it's it, it it's kind of more empowering for most of it, and then you get to the actual performance, and you're like, wow, okay, let's just see what happens. And like, because it's such a it's a two hander, and it massively relies on the dynamic between the two actors. Mm. Um, and they did such a brilliant job last night. I mean, they are just generally doing a brilliant job. Um, but like, it means that if if the performances are slightly different, like one of them decides to do things a little bit differently, the whole play feels different because it's like really responsive. Mm. Um, so that's what I've really noticed over previews and then into press. It's like tiny little change at the beginning of the way they interact and it's like a different play. Mm. So yeah, it's quite... It's exciting, but that's weird as a writer because I'm just sitting there. I'm like, actually, the material hasn't changed, really. It's just like uh, the dynamic. Is that um, quite yeah. exciting? Do you think when you when you check back in with the play later on, and it might have sort of slightly mutated and changed, yeah, even more? Is that quite exciting to see it? Yeah, yeah. Change like this idea you had on the page sort of mutate to something else. Massively, massively. I think it's going to really settle over the run, and um, it's technically very challenging because they're doing a lot of physical exercise in it, right? Cause it's a play about running, mm-hmm. so it's like. You know, it's um, they don't actually run in the play because it's kind of stylized, but um, they're moving all the time. Okay. And so um, now that they've kind of got their heads around and their bodies around the moving, I reckon the like they'll settle and it'll evolve. And we're on till the end of January, so they've got ages to kind of find it and change and explore things and play. And I really hope they do that, and I think they will. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about the play then. What's it called? What's it about? Give us, give us the sort of ABCs about the play. <laughs> So it's it's called Fair Play, mm-hmm. and it's um, 
It's on until the 22nd of January at the Bush Theatre. Um, and it's produced in association with Sonia Friedman Productions as well, so they've been supporting. Um, and it is about uh, two young teenage 800 metre runners at a fictional Surrey-based running club. <laughs> okay. Um, who <laughs> just are get that <laughs> <Disclaimer>. <laughs> I mean, like none of the yeah, you know, it's all fictional, and it's it's like yeah, it's it's much easier to explore stuff if it's yeah, yeah, if it's fictionalised. Um, yeah, and it's about, um, they're from kind of different backgrounds. One of them is a middle-class girl, middle-class white girl from Surrey, who um, has, is like an old hat, old hat, old hand mm. at running. And she's been like up in the mix, like at quite a high level for a number of years. And the other girl, and she's called Sophie, and the other girl, Anne, is uh, a recent um, transfer. So she's been kind of poached, scouted by the coach and brought down from, from Richmond AC. Mm -hmm. And um, she is, Nigerian British and has spent a lot of time in America so she's um uh yeah basically they're from two quite different kind of cultural backgrounds okay and different places and um and yeah, they've ended up at this running club together and it's kind of about how their relationship evolves okay um when they're and they're kind of when Anne starts to catch Sophie up and see what happens kind of with the oh, relationship I see, dynamics I see, so. I see. And is it is it is it based on your own experiences as a runner? Are there elements of your because you're a club runner as well, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, so there's loads of stuff in there which is um, definitely based on personal experience. I wouldn't. I'm neither character. Like, um, I'd say, kind of, in for kind of relatively obvious reasons, if you've met me, I'm much. I'm more Sophie. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, yeah, I'm not. I'm neither character, but definitely loads of stuff about like the training the what it is to be like a teenager who is gunning for it um on the track and like really just cares about running that's come from a huge amount of personal experience like mm. i um yeah i was never at the level that these girls are at so these girls are moving up to like world championship level right they're elite i never i never got into the gb squad but there was definitely a point in my teens when i thought that i might mm. and then i kind of made quite a definite decision actually just not to not to take it that seriously i wanted to do drama so i like oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah unpack that moment a little bit for me then what was that kind of crossroads like what why did you pivot to drama instead of pursuing pursuing running yeah i mean it's like i never actually reduced my training in a way wow, this is a very loud road um, it's all oh, right yeah, we're, yeah. we're currently walking just, over yeah. into hackney wick to grab a coffee listeners don't worry about it i love that you're caring about the sound though like already my favorite like, my favorite I'm a guest film, a film and tv yeah, person creatives like, like oh guys we're gonna need to wild track this <laughs> listeners you're coming with us as we go we go on a little adventure to hackney to get caffeinated yeah um sorry necessary after a late press night with a lot of drinking oh yes yeah. oh yes um, so, so yeah, as, as you were saying, so you were still doing full-on training, yeah. but you were pivoting more into drama and creativity and performance yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so I was always doing both. So like, trying to think of a succinct way of describing it. So I started, I started swimming really, really young. So that's how I got into running. So I started swimming when I was okay. like, swimming competitively when I was like eight years old. Um, and then I found that a bit much and I wanted to join a drama club. So I said to my mum, I remember feeling quite scared about it, being like, Mum, I think I want to do drama classes after school rather than swimming. So I was swimming like twice a day sometimes. Um, and she was well up for it because it meant that she didn't have to drive me to the pool. <laughs> but actually what happened was around that time, I then was, I guess I was at secondary school by this point, I was about 11 or 12. They um, put me on the cross country team 
and I did really, really well. I guess I had like a lot of natural fitness because of swimming. Mm. And uh, my mum had started doing marathon running around the same time. She was like, Ella, why don't you just come down and have a go on the track with the juniors? Oh, so this was your local running club then? Yeah, London right. Heathside. Yeah. So I lived near Finsbury Park. And um, yeah, and, and then I went down and then got hooked on running pretty quickly. So the whole plan was to kind of give up the sport and start drama. And then I actually ended up very quickly becoming really, really, really into running. Right. And um, started competing more or less straight away. And then, yeah, and then... So the two were running succinct for a while then? They were, yeah. So then, yeah, but I think I was just... I mean, just because the nature of it, right? If you want to be good at running, you have to train like, you know, five, six times a week, even as a teen. Mm. Whereas like, you know, drama class, I was doing like one on a Saturday afternoon. I used to, um, I used to go, even as like a, I think I was like 14 or 15, I used to cycle down to Finsbury Park track, do my hill session, Saturday hill session. And then I'd cycle to Euston on my own to do a dance class and then cycle to do my drama class in Marlebone and then cycle home again. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it all. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, but then I guess it got to a point like with exams and like everything. At the time when I actually think I was probably my, my kind of fastest at running because I got, I moved up to Shaftesbury Barnet to train with the squad up there when I was about, um, I think I was about 16. Um, and I was actually probably my fastest. I also started to think about what I actually wanted to do next, you know, go to uni, take a gap year, like whatever. Mm. And actually, I think I hadn't really thought about any of that stuff previously. So I was just like, kind of okay to be like, maybe I'll be in the Olympics one day. You know, it was like, those dreams felt like things I didn't even really have to kind of consider. Mm -hmm. And then actually suddenly I was like, hold on, what do I want to do with the next year of my life? Like, probably don't really want to be training all the time. Like I want to go, and it's not like I was ever at, realistically at the level where I would have been like gunning for like Team GB anyway, but I guess it was more like a psychological thing where I was like, hold on, how do I want to spend my, my time? Yeah. yeah like, what kind of life do you want to have? Yeah. And um, why am I doing, like, why am I spending all of these hours doing this particular thing? Um, but I guess what's kind of interesting is that I never actually stopped doing the running or training. It's more like a psychological thing shifted. I was like, I'm doing this because I love it rather than because I think it's how my life is going to end up. That's it's like, yeah. And, and how old were you when that, when that rationale, because that's quite a profound way of looking at it, I think. Like, how old were you when you, that sort of shift happened? I guess it must have been around A-levels. Okay. I think, I think also because I knew that I wanted to take a gap year, I wanted to go live abroad. I wanted to learn Spanish. And uh, I was pretty sure I wanted to go to drama school, but I wasn't really sure how all that stuff worked. Mm. Um, and I knew that I was like, academically pretty strong and I was predicting good grades I thought I'll go and do an English degree mm -hmm. see what happens so yeah I don't know I I think I like psychologically stepped back a little bit and was like I can care about this and like train and spend as many hours doing it but it doesn't need to be like that everything else in my life is focused around it mm. um and do you think yeah. the main the main driving force for do you think your mum was a big inspiration? You were saying she was a for running. For running. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, she's um she's pretty amazing, my mum. She's still so fit. She does loads of swimming. Um Shout out to Ella's mum. Shout out to my mum, to Lou. <laughs> um Yeah, um she definitely was. Yeah, and she the running club at London Heathside still she's still really involved and like it's a big it's an amazing community and 
that's where a lot of her mates are because mm. she met them running. Yeah, so she she started running when we were pretty young. I think partly because it was just, you know, she had three young kids and was working as a GP and she was like, oh, I need to do something. She's always been very physically active, but she was like, I need to do something which is like free. Mm. And um, running's great, right? Because you just bang your... This place, yes. this place is coffee. coffee. We're, just, we're walking to Hawk listeners to get lots and lots <laughs> of coffee. Lots of coffee. Should we sit down for a bit? Yeah, why not? Okay. I don't, <sighs> don't mind. <laughs> so what were we talking about? Um, um, I think I was rambling. Oh yes, your mum. my mum. <laughs> my mum. Yeah. So do you still train with your club then? Mm, not really, because I've moved to, to East London. So you haven't joined a club in East London, like around in a sort of London club? Like, yeah, or... I'm, I, I've run with um, Victoria Park Harriers a little bit. Okay. Um, but I actually haven't. So I only moved here, I moved here like a year and a bit ago. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's been COVID time. So training hasn't really been on. Okay. Um, I've also just got so used to running on my own. I think like, do you miss it, the what, club thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, whenever I go, I'm like, I get this real rush. So why, because you're like, I'm just trying to think where to trace back with the writing. Yeah. So you're in dra drama school, left drama school. So when, when did the when did the writing sort of start percolating for you? Or was that, or had that always been something that had been going on? Like, or, or was it a decision like, actually, I want to turn my attention to it? Um. There was definitely a decision to turn my attention to it, but it happened later than I maybe realised, if that makes sense. So it's like, I, I think I've actually been writing for a really long time, but just not really noticing that it was something that I was any good at, mm. but also or something that I could do as a career. Mm. So like, even just as a, as a kid, I used to, my way of trying to understand things is, is to write them down. Okay. You know, it's like, and to try and, make sense of how I'm feeling. Like I've always written a diary. I've got like boxes and boxes of diaries because I've written mm. a diary since I was 10 and I've just turned 30. So that's like, maybe, wow, it's 20, yeah, years, 20 of... years of my brain and so much shit. Do you ever dip back into them? <laughs> um, I do. Or do you just avoid, is it like I avoid? avoid it. I mean, it's not to be read, you know, it's like. What a resource though as well. Like, yeah. you know, like to, to do a lazy kind of running analogy, you have like your training log, but like, yeah. and you have that record of your progress and stuff. But like, I, I, I've never done it. I've never, never journaled, never diaried or anything like that. But to be able to dip back into how you were then, yeah. like must be, must yeah, be yeah. quite an experience. Like. Yeah, I'd actually love to try and look back at the, the, the bits around the time that I was really taking running very seriously mm -hmm. or when I really got the bug. Because mm. I, I did definitely write about running in my diaries because mm. I would do, right? Because also, yeah. I was, you know, I was writing them at, at night and I'd be getting up really early the next day to say run before school. Um, so I would be thinking about so it. So that was, did you have a training diary as well or was it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. I had a, yeah, my coach, I had a coach called Nina when I was um, a teen and she, um, yeah, she set us very, very kind of specific personalised programmes that we followed. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I would take out of ticket off, print it off, you know, like, you know, take it off when I've done stuff. What's it like training when you're at that? Because I, I feel like I've come to running slightly later in life. And I think there's a whole like kind of lockdown generation of runners who took it up as well. But when I meet people who've been running since they were really, really young, I, I'm always fascinated about when you're training at that level with that level of commitment, but also just being a young mm. child. Like, what was that like in school with like your friends and stuff like that? Were they like 
why, why are you getting yeah, up at 7 a.m. Yeah, and running? Like, yeah. what's this training program? Why do you not want to come out and hang out with us? Was it was it was it difficult? Right? It was a bit. I mean, things. I'm I'm a pretty sociable person, so I used to, I basically just survived off very little sleep. So I did. I still did all of the hanging out, right? More or less. I think I used to go running at lunchtime sometimes. In school. At school, because I because I lived quite far away from my school, so it was really early if I was going to go out to run in the morning. Right? Mm. It was like five. Right. Okay. Um. Um. Yeah. And so, yeah, sometimes I used to squeeze a little run in at lunchtime and they did not get that. I mean, they used to take the piss out of me hard. I'm like, it wasn't cool. Running is, running was not cool at school. I like... It's become, it feels like it's become cool now, but yeah, I can imagine back then like, nah, nah, no, no, no. Listen, like, what, what? what are you doing? Lunchtime, why are you putting your trainers on? Honestly, yeah, not like, oh yeah, some of the boys would like, you know, be like, do like high knees and be like, Ella loves running. Um, yeah, I didn't really care that much mm. about that. Like that, I didn't. I loved it, and also I had my little squad of running people at like mm. um, at the club, and they all cared. So you know, you find your people, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you tune in on the same frequency. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thinking about it now, actually, it was odd watching the press night at the play last night. I just come back to play. Like, mm. my mum came to the press night, and she recognised so much of me and our lives in there that I hadn't really noticed had found its way in interesting you know like the, and there's stuff that I knew was that I'd taken from personal experience you know like superstition around pre-race pre-race routines like what you eat the night before or what you eat on the morning having to do the same stretches or doing everything in the same order and all that stuff there's quite a lot of stuff in there in the play about that were you quite a ritualistic runner mm, in that very sense? ritualistic what was your kind of like a race what was your kind of superstition what was your kind of process well, I used to um, have to listen to the same songs before the race. What are the songs? Um, I can't, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> are, they not, are they in the play or are they not they in the play? They are in the play, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some okay. of them are in the play. So if you're listening and you want to find out, head down to the Bush Theatre <laughs> until uh, January. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, some of them are in the, in the play. Um, and, At a specific um, time? Was there like, a, was it 30 minutes before? Like It was just warm, when I was warming up. Mm-hmm. It would just be about just like putting myself in a good mood. Mm-hmm. It, all that's all it was what i really realized and i think it's still the same now I, it's not just about running it's about anything that feels kind of significant mm. like if i can put myself in a positive mindset then like i can do it and it's like for pre-race it wasn't about listening to like hardcore music to be like right you know rah. Mm. it was like trying to put myself in a mindset where i could do it or where i feel happy because if i feel happy i feel like i can do anything right mm. so um yeah, a lot of my ritual stuff was about that. It was about being like kind to my brain and trying to put it in a space where it felt like free. Um, That's interesting. Enabling your brain to be in that position to, mm. to, to almost to feel the thoughts that maybe you felt in training or, or on runs yeah. that the where you haven't had that pressure. Like. Totally, because that's it. It's like sometimes when I'm training, even now, and I'm not like, training to race at the moment because I've had a series of injuries but like when I run and feel really 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 good that um that euphoria sometimes I'm like why can't I feel this when I'm racing because often when we're racing we're putting nice pressure on ourselves and we're nervous and all of that stuff but it's like if I could capture that bit of euphoria that I get like you know um on a long run on my own or on a steady you know when you're just like I am made of gold like if you can channel that into a into Mm. a race like I don't know. I, I think that's I the would, sweet spot. That's like that, sweet. that's the holy grail. But mm. I don't know about you. Like, I you know, being being a performer, like 
I get way more nervous for races than I ever did about going on stage and stuff. Yeah. I don't know why that, or maybe it's just because I care more about it, I don't know. But like yeah, that's the, interesting, the nerves, it? like, yeah. it's like nothing else. Even like, even like a park run. Like, really? It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous. Like, I don't that's know. Funny. Maybe it's just a testament of like how much, how much, I don't know, it means to me or something, maybe. But um, maybe they're just different things, though, aren't they? Mm. I think they're very different types of nerves mm. for me, anyway. Because, um, like, the thing about performing is that there are multiple ways that it could go and that's also terrifying in its own way because it's like out of your control and it's a, it's quite fluid what you have to do mm. you know you're like turning up but like you're kind of you're relying on other people as well mainly unless you're doing like a one-person show but even then you've got the stage management and the lighting and all that stuff right company and also you. the audience mm. like it's responsive and you're kind of basically walking out onto a battle line a little bit and you're a bit like i have no idea what's going to hit me here Whereas with running, it's actually just like, it's very streamlined, it's very directional. It's just like, am I going to be able to go, to pace this right, to go fast enough? Is my body going to do what I want it to do? Yeah, and that, and that's maybe it's that having that sense of pressure on your own shoulders and not knowing like, oh, my scene partner is going to help me out here or I might get a laugh from yeah. the audience that might pivot the scene in another mm -hmm. direction. It's a different kind of pressure, isn't it? Definitely. So how come, because running was such a big part of your life, because your first play wasn't about running, was it? No, 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 no. So how come you, yeah. why did you want to explore it now? Like why was running kind of, yeah, why, why, why have you chosen to sort of delve into it now as a, as a writer? I mean, the truth is, even though the play is about running, mm. it's not really about running. Okay. So it's about runners. Right. Okay. And it is also, it is about running mm -hmm. um, to an extent because of the world that they're in, because of the setting, because of the, every scene is, is to do with running, mm -hmm. but actually the, the play is about fairness. It's about just, it's about what it, like, it's about the fallacy of the level playing field. So it explores, um, it explores the gender debate in athletics and uses the question around who gets to compete under the testosterone regulations as a, a way to explore broader issues around women's bodies, mm -hmm. around fairness, around um, uh, kind of privilege, class, mm -hmm. race. Mm -hmm. Um, gender, obviously, and it's it's kind of using this very particular issue around the athletes that have been banned under the testosterone regulations to explore many, many, many other things. And so necessarily that takes place in the world of running. I see. But actually, I hope that people, I hope that runners will enjoy it for a running play, but really will... That's it, just a means to an end, to explore the to bigger explore things. To explore these things, yeah. And it's like... I mean, that's one of the beauties of theatre, right? You can have a play about something that's really about something else. Or, mm. you know, you you can, different people will take different things from it. Some people might actually just really enjoy watching a play that's about their sport. Great. Mm. But like other people who've never, ever had any interest in athletics, hopefully will understand it on a different plane. Chime with it on a, on a kind of different yeah, kind of thematic thing. So when you're taking on something like that, because I've, I've interviewed people before, about that, the, the issue of, of, of gender and, and the particular IOC regulations mm -hmm. that have now changed slightly as well. Well, they've changed again. Um, what's the process like when you're going to take something like that mm -hmm. on in, in a play form? Like, what's your yeah. process as, as a writer? Like, are you, are you diving deep into that subject matter? Are you speaking to people about it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think with something like this, because like I'm, I'm writing within experience to an extent as somebody who's been in the world of athletics for a long, long, long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm also writing outside of my experience because I'm not intersex myself mm -hmm. and um, well as far as I know my testosterone is not above the regulations I mean I, I'm assuming that it isn't um, but like 
yeah, I've basically been doing a huge amount of research. So it started off with a lot of reading, a lot of um, historical reading and looking at the way that um, sex and gender testing has happened in sport right back, back, back since like the beginning of, of uh, women being allowed to compete in the Olympics. So like really looking at historically what the journey has been around who, who um, about around how the federation decides who does and doesn't get to compete. Mm -hmm. So it started off from a kind of, yeah, reading, reading and learning phase. And then, um, and then a lot of talking. So yeah, I was talking, I talked, I spoke to um, various different advisors. So I've been working with Intersex UK, who are a UK based charity and campaign group. Um, they don't specifically work with people in sport, but they also do a lot of campaigning in that area too. So they're, they're kind of broadly supporting um, and uh, promoting the intersex mm -hmm. debate and sex rights in the UK. Um, also work with a woman called Payoshni Mitra, who's um, a human rights activist and uh, an incredible woman who worked with um, Duti Chand and she's worked on the Casta Semenya campaign and she's worked with the Namibian athletes as well, I think, who recently mm -hmm. got banned. So she's basically oh. a uh, very, very um, prominent and knowledgeable knows her, woman. Knows the stuff. Yeah. yeah, and she's been there right from, like, she's like on the front line working on, um, like, very specifically in the testosterone kind of regulations and, and has worked with um, uh, a lot of kind of, she's been working to expose some of the massive problems with the uh, advice given or the basically the the problems with advising people to have medical surgery who uh, have been banned under the regulations mm. so like the massive kind of human rights issue with asking people to change their bodies to fit mm. with a criteria made up criteria mm. and so yeah she's been massively involved in that so yeah she's been great so she's also been able to put me in touch kind of directly and indirectly with other people to speak to wow. um, and then also um our wonderful actor Nick, who is in the play, and her own experience um, of of gender as well. So, right, okay. And was it evolving then throughout throughout the rehearsal processes as well? Like, are you when 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 like for people listening, perhaps for, for this particular podcast, they might not be as au fait with that kind of creative mm, of process. Course. Like, yeah, is yeah, it yeah. constantly evolving? Are you taking stuff from the actors, are you taking stuff from the yeah. collaborators, and you changing, you're shifting. Mm -hmm. Like when. When does the play lock for you? When does it like set and you're like, okay, that's it, I'm done? Or is it constantly changing? It's been constantly changing, yeah. I mean, that's how I always wanted to make it. I think when, as a writer, coming to something um, like this, a subject matter which is so knotty and so complicated, but also so much based on, on personal experience that's not mine, it's, I have a real duty to be responsive in the way that I write. And so a lot of it has been, um, yeah, like knowing that it will change as part of the process and welcoming that, wanting that. So mm. I always said to the Bush, so the Bush commissioned me to write this play based on a scene or two that I'd written um, a couple of years ago. And then I started writing it and I said, oh, look, I don't want to carry on writing this play until I've done more research and spoken to more people. And I think this is the kind of play that needs to be made like in the room with people rather than just me sitting at home on my computer. And they were really up for that. So they actually programmed it before I'd finished writing it. So I hadn't got an ending and I hadn't really got a beginning. It had got a kind of middle. And um, and then they, they were like, I was like, well, I will make it now because we've got dates. What's and that like as a writer? No, terrifying. <laughs> so you've got an idea, no, no beginning, middle, like you've got fragments. Mm. Like, how do you start getting purchase on that? Well, it was quite a lot. To be fair, it was quite a lot of meat there. Okay. It was just like, 
the form of it wasn't that clear and I knew what I wanted to say and I knew the dialectic at the heart of the play, the kind of um, questions around around fairness, yeah, and what is fair for women, basically. And I wanted a play which asked lots of questions but didn't necessarily answer them, which was in solidarity with intersex athletes but wasn't didactic and telling the audience what to think. You know, something which was pushing these issues uh, and in front of people, reframing them in a way that they may not have thought about them before and then leaving people to try to make up their minds about it. Mm. Um, but making it very, very clear that it was not actually, for, from where I'm standing, it's not really a balanced debate because I, I do stand in solidarity with the athletes that have been banned under the regulation. Um, but yes, yeah, so I knew kind of what I wanted to do with it, but like, um, but I knew that I needed to work, work with people in order to do that. So mm. yeah, it was quite scary. But then what happened was COVID happened. So I, my whole, ah, COVID. Oh, ah, COVID. my whole plans to kind of make it in the room, um, yeah, were scuppered. So I did end up writing a lot of it during during lockdown because um, and finishing it ish. I say finishing it because it wasn't really finished until yesterday, and it's still not finished. You know, it never really will be. It's like it's a play and it's it's dynamic. But mm. um, but no, I changed the ending like last week. I mean, I, it's not like the ending is the same in that it leaves them in the same place. But like I, it wasn't reading in the way that I wanted it to when we did the dress rehearsal. And so I went home and I thought about it and I was like, no, we, it's really important that we leave people in the right space at the mm. end of this play. And so we've ended up in this kind of weird situation, which isn't that unusual in theatre, even though it sounds kind of crazy, but which is where the published text is quite, is quite different to the performance. You've got that sort text. of like disclaimer at the, in the play text, like where it might be slightly different. It's interesting that, that when you're watching it in, in previews, how much of your attention, like what's the kind of percentage split of uh, focusing on what the audience are kind of doing compared to what's happening on stage for you as a writer? I'd say I'm mainly focusing on what's happening on stage, mm. but you can feel the audience. I'm not really looking at the audience, but you can feel them, whether they're, yeah, whether they're <laughs> on with the director. This is hilarious, guys, come on. <laughs> come on, you're laughing. Um, you can just really feel it, like whether people are responding and leaning in or not. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, no, I mean, to be honest, having our actors in the room has been the thing that has really made this play what it is and then bringing their personal experience in. And like, I've learned so, so much from them. We were, we did a, a big casting call to try to find somebody who had the experience that we needed um, to, um, yeah, to, to participate in the play. And we ended up casting someone from America and flying them over. Um, and she is incredible. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, she's just like really brought so much personal experience into the room in a really generous way that she didn't need to. And that has meant that I've been able to learn about what it is to um, have uh, a sex variation and what it might be like. And obviously, this you know, this character is a fictional person, and they are, the fictional person is very, very different to the actor. But being able to learn from the actor has made this play what it is, really. And that must be quite a, a sensitive process in the rehearsal room mm -hmm. when you're, you know, de dealing with someone's personal experience and, and, and dramatizing. What's that kind of? I suppose the onus there is on on the director in that scenario to kind of negotiate that that process. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the director. Yeah, Monique, who's the director, is brilliant. Um, yeah, I think it's also you know you you have to meet people where they're at, and I think that um, it's as from where I was standing, it was only ever going to be up to whatever the actors wanted to bring into the room that, that we dealt with. We were never going to probe or um, scrutinise. You know, the whole point of the play criticises the scrutinisation of women's bodies. And so much of what the play explores is 
that scrutiny and what it is to be on the receiving end of it, not just in terms of um, sex and gender kind of variation, but actually more um, just what it is to be a young woman, you know, and have your body up for grabs all the time. Yeah. And like when your body is your kind of machine on the track, um, all the complexities that come up with that, you know, it explores kind of eating disorders and, um, and uh, yeah, all kinds of things. People kind of comparing themselves to each other physically. And like, I think, yeah, we, were, we had to be very, very sensitive in the room, knowing that we were exploring things that were difficult and like trying to kind of tread that line. And I, I hope we did. I hope we did that. Mm. Yeah. But just to pivot off that a little bit. Yeah. But last time we were on a run, yeah. you also talked about another play that you were developing that, that featured you and, and another, ben Norris. another performer yeah. athlete, but you were on a, a treadmill yeah. for the whole play. So tell us a little bit about that. Because um, yeah. I want to see this play. <laughs> I mean, listen, shout out to Ben Norris because he needs to finish writing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> come on, Ben. <laughs> come on, Ben. Um, oh, that was so fun. So ben, Ben's an actor and a writer and a poet, an amazing poet as well. Um, yeah, we met doing an acting job years ago and he's now one of my best friends. Um, but yeah, he's an incredible runner um, and yeah, really, really, really amazing runner. Um, but he wrote this play that was called The Distance, which actually... Um, coincidentally explores in a lot more depth than my play does because it's obviously not the main subject matter but the thing about um about women and eating disorders in, in middle and long distance running so that is okay. not just what the play is not just about that it's about like the thrill of training it's the most beautiful piece of writing he just needs to finish it um but we did an r d of it like a workshop of it at the yard theater about two years, which is about two minutes from where we're, we're, we're currently on White Post Lane. We can probably just about see the yeah, it's got the ghosts of the play floating oh. around here. Um, yeah, um, we did an R and D here, God, years like years ago. Yeah, and he asked. He, I remember we met at this doing this acting job. That was it. We ended up weirdly talking about running. He was like, "You're like a runner, runner, right?" He goes like, I can just tell from the way that you're talking about it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're a runner, runner. Like, I, love yeah. run, I love how runners sniff each other out. Like, you know, yeah. do dogs like sniff each other like, like yeah. you're, you're, you're a runner, runner, runner. You can runner, tell right? like, it's, like it's not a jog, it's a run, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he then called me up and was like, look, it's a bit niche, but I'm really, I'm looking for, I need a woman who can run well and also has like experience of it to do this play with me because she literally needs to be able to run for the whole play. Um, and perform at the same and time. And to perform you and know, like bang it out to an audience. Bang it out to an audience at the same time over the sound of treadmills. So basically, we had two treadmills, and we were running the entire the entire time. I think it was about an hour, maybe a bit longer. Um, also, doing the script. <laughs> so, <laughs> this play needs to happen. It does. Yeah. I mean, I think he will. It was going to be on in Edinburgh before Edinburgh didn't happen. Of course. Yeah. Um, but I think he's definitely got plans for it. Um, yeah, and I think it was really beautiful and I think uh, I loved it. Also, it was just fun. I think the audience found it fun. We performed it once at the yard, maybe twice, and then at Nottingham Playhouse as well. But it was just part of a development process. It wasn't like a full production or anything. Um, but yeah, the um, we were so sweaty. Because obviously when you're normally running, you've got, got the, the wind. wind. Yeah. But in like a stuffy theatre, we were just, it was honestly disgusting. Like I think the audience enjoyed it partly just because it was so like weird watching two like slippery, sweaty people trying to perform. <laughs> and like then we, our scripts were getting like damp. <laughs> like, oh, of course, because it was a reading, so you were still on book. We were book. still on book. So right. we had the scripts like on the, you know, the flat bit of the front of the treadmill. Um, and we you were putting laminate the speed, speed up and down as well. because there were bits where we'd be running really, really fast. In fact, there's this really beautiful description in there about um about what it feels like you know when you're like running kind of like what i was describing earlier where you're like euphoric 
where you're like on form and you're like running on a long run and there's this bit where the two characters are like running in the rain together and it's just like you know you're basically just like you and your body and nature i mean ben could probably talk about this a lot more articulately than me because he wrote the play but um but yeah it's uh it was really fun doing that and it's, oh, it needs to happen ben you need to come on the podcast and we'll, we'll make it happen finish <laughs> finish the play off and i know you we, when we were we went for a run the other week you were talking you've started doing stuff with tv and, and film mm, and stuff yeah. like that would you think about exploring running in, in that format as well i feel i feel like there needs to be like another great running movie. chariots of fire has mm. been like put through the mill like when's the next great running movie happening and are you going to be writing it don't know <laughs> god maybe someone needs to employ me to do that um mo i'm doing lots of film and tv writing but none of it's about running um yeah as far as i can remember i mean i did start developing this play for tv and i'm just trying to work out whether that's actually the form that i want it to be in so fair play um i have written a pilot for um half hour kind of uh episodes series which follows the 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 play story but it's obviously a lot more expansive because you can mm. you can do a lot more on tv mm. with so many more hours um so there's a chance that that will happen but i also may now that i've um yeah done a lot more writing and tv writing you know in, since i've written that pilot i've done a lot more tv writing and i may i may feel quite differently coming back to it. i haven't read it mm. since i first wrote that pilot a couple of years ago so okay. yeah we'll see so what is next for you writing wise then um, so I'm actually going straight into a workshop next week at the Hampstead Theatre for a new play that I'm writing, which I very strategically aligned with press night so that I wouldn't get post-show blues from Fair Play. So I'm going straight into that R&D. Um, and that is a very different play. It's set in the Isle of Dogs near where I live. And it's about, um, yeah, it's about like, uh, well, I won't go into those detail, but it's like, it's about a woman who, uh, a couple who've recently moved into the area and it's about how the area has changed and then i'm doing um well i've just done loads of tv i just i've been writing on the british um series call my agent the british version of the french series so i've written two episodes of that which is coming out quite soon i think um and some other bits and pieces i'm on a film at the moment so it's all fun yeah it's fun and games it's fun and games i'm gonna i'm planning to run off to mexico in the new year to, to finish writing this film and um just put my body in a different country for a Lovely. while and use that Lovely. Spanish that I learned. Of course, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, put it to practice. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. Exciting times ahead. Yeah. Um, and thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming post press night. Post oh, was it a late pleasure. one last night? It was quite late. I think I'm also just a bit underslept generally. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did it say earlier you're, you're used to surviving on little sleep. So oh, I... listen, I'm not 16 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm very grateful to you for, for coming yeah. on the podcast. Oh, normally, it's my pleasure. Normally at the end, we we ask our guests, we, I always say the royal we, it's literally me. I don't know, there's not like a whole team behind me here. Oh, they don't know that, they can't see you. There's yeah, 10 people here actually, have got a <laughs> whole, whole crew. A whole crew. <laughs> we normally ask um, one bit of advice for, for like, for the, if, it's, if I'm interviewing a runner or a coach, like yeah. to share with the fellow runners listening. But I was thinking, because you're such a talented writer, maybe if there's people listening who've maybe thought about maybe exploring something creatively like as a writer would you would you be able to proffer one bit of advice for people who may be thinking of going down a creative path what, what, what would your one bit of advice be um well firstly do it if you're thinking about it do it mm. um yeah just like play try to I and mean, it's easier said than done like try to be try to be like free with yourself mm. put yourself in a space where you feel like you can do it it's a bit <laughs> like doing a race right 
like you need to like put your brain in an imaginative space where things feel possible um so yeah a bit like my pre-race routine like it's quite similar with writing if you can put yourself in a place where you feel safe to play and to like explore then i think you can do it lovely that's brilliant <laughs> thank you so much that's perfect my cheers pleasure. thank you thank, thank you. you thank you and when's the play until the play is until the 22nd of january at the Bush Theatre, at the Bush Theatre. In, London. in London, and I'll put all the links and in yeah, the show notes. Please come down, come. I'd love lots of runners to come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Brilliant. Big thank you to Ella for coming on the show and Fair Play is still on at the Bush Theatre until the 22nd of Jan. Now I know at the moment a lot of shows are being cancelled or rescheduled in and around London and around the country as well and it's a difficult time for theatre so if you can go down and you feel safe and comfortable to do so then please head down to check out this phenomenal play and support UK theatre at the moment because it's in a bit of a delicate, delicate stage. It's on until the 22nd of January and I believe there are plans to stream a recorded version of it as well um, so if you follow the Bush social media page I'm sure you can find out more about that as well thanks so much for tuning in this will be going out uh, a couple of days before Christmas so um, if I don't see you before then I probably won't but have a lovely Christmas there will be another episode coming the following week I'm going to keep it going through Christmas as best as I can and uh, I hope the running's going well and, uh, and if you want to get out there and get running Maybe run down to the bush. See if the show's on. See if you can go and see it. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. <laughs>